0: the goodness, yeah. this right here need a pulpit. <laughs> Have a seat for the service. Pour down, I convert it. I can still taste the gunpowder. Yeah. I can still see the brute sour. Yeah still see the world now. I am still man of the hour. Young ho, Bill Matic, Bombastic, Krauss Tiger, Hidden Dragon, New Power, New Magic, Jesse Owen jumped out the damn casket. Clairvoyant, so I see stronger. Had to tell her make the beat longer. The moon sees all my darkest secrets. Wasn't working, so I switched the sequence. Kiss Selena in a power sequence. Dragon egg, what I had for breakfast. All you niggas sounded like a broken record. All you bitches sounded like a broken. Listen, me, listen, me. Pain out the pain after in the sea, in the sea, and the chicks with me, it's parentheses. Not a clumsy nigga, but I'm about to trip and hit another float. Shit, where he
1: been? That niggas Welcome wanna know. To podcast, Today my guest is here in Seattle from Chicago. He just performed at Freak Out Weekender, which is basically a it's an extension of Freakout Fest, which happened back in November. If you guys remember, I had. Guy Keltner on a couple of months ago. I think it was actually my first interview in January 2022, and uh, it was a dope. It was a dope. Uh, event. I missed your performance, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but uh, checked out your music. Love it. You've been doing it for a while in Chicago. It's my pleasure to have the one and only Xavier Holiday.
2: Appreciate yeah. it, man. That was a that was a nice little intro.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So, tell me how you got connected with Seattle and uh, doing Freakout Weekender.
2: So, I actually was at the first uh, Freak Out Weekender ever. Oh, wow. So, like, damn near 10 years ago now. Holy shit. So, um, and at that time, it was just, it was super grassroots. Like, I performed at a Haitian restaurant <laughs> to, like, five people, dude. Like, it was just getting off the ground. But it was, it was still super cool because, like, I'm the type of person I don't care how many people there. Like, I'm going to still rock out. Like, I'm at the the house of blues united center you know what i'm saying so um how i got connected with it is i had moved to new york a few years ago Mm -hmm. and the one of the people i was working with that was like helping me with my music shit out there he had a buddy who went to school with another guy from seattle they went to um it's some uh like high high level high school out here. I okay. forgot the name of it. But um so he was friends with him and then he told him that he was putting together like a festival type situation out here. And he was like, Well, I work with an artist now and let's get him out there. Wow. So that's how it happened. They he told me about it. I'm like, Hell yeah, festival. <laughs> let's go. Let's do it. Let's Damn. rock out. So um yeah, I flew out here and we did the shit and it was raw. That's crazy.
1: Time. Connections, man. That's all that's the music industry is built on, you know? Yeah. So, is this your first time performing back in Seattle since then?
2: Yeah. Wow. It is. Yeah. So, like, and, and everybody that I've met um, yesterday and like the whole time I've been here, they've been like, So, you come out here often? And I'm <laughs> like, Well, right now I'm averaging one visit per decade. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try to, you know, put some more. Make it a little bit more frequent, because mm-hmm. cause I, I like Seattle. Like, I, I fuck with the vibe out here. Yeah. And I'm a mountain-loving dude, mm. too. So, like, I like mountains. I like bodies of water and shit like that. Do you go hiking over I haven't oh yeah, But I'm not against it at all. Like, I'm into, like, nature. Nature yeah. shit like that, so. That's
1: crazy. I mean, you've basically seen the evolution of Freak Out Fest. Yeah,
2: there. yeah. And that's what everybody keeps telling me. They're like, well, it's changed a lot since you've been here. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I could tell
1: that that concert venue um, you guys performed at—that's brand new. I think yeah. 2022.
2: Yeah, brand spanking new. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's you've been there yet? Yeah, the new one? Crocodile. It's it's nice, dude.
1: Yeah, the original one was uh, it was very grungy. Mm-hmm. You know, this one's crazy. Like each room, it has its own different aesthetic. It's mm-hmm. there's like how many different bars in the fucking venue itself? At
2: least four. Yeah, I I saw at least four. And yeah. then it's still more shit like on the top floor. And there's a hotel so, too in it. <laughs> yeah, apparently somebody told me it used to be a brothel.
1: Oh shit!
2: Yes, but they like repurposed it and like redid everything, renovated everything. But it, it's beautiful in there.
1: Damn. Way. Wait, so brothels are legal or that are they illegal? I don't even know how that works. Like
2: I think it was like way back in Got the day it. type shit. One oh. of my my homie Nate that I'm that I'm staying with. Yeah, he told me. Like he's a historical, like wow. guy. So he knows the history of Seattle to a T. So he told me this story about how Madame Lou is her name mm-hmm. and she ran a brothel up there and it was for like the sailors that would come into the port mm-hmm. and on their way passing through, they looking to have fun. They wanna have, you know, past the time you feel me so they want something pretty something softer rub so (laughs) that's that's what they were doing up there well
1: that makes sense madame lou what else would you be doing exactly
2: (laughs) exactly, man
1: damn that's that's very interesting i also learned um when i was at freak out fest on friday Mm. i don't know how true this is but some local seattle people told me so i'm guessing They've been around, right? Mm. They said that like Chicago mob used to own S- Seattle in like the seventies or something like that. Before there was like a crazy bust. Mm-hmm. So
2: I believe it. Yeah, like, like you, as you know, like Chicago, like they we yeah, known for <laughs> for getting getting shit done. To make a long story short, So yeah. I wouldn't. It's not surprising to me mm-hmm. if that's true.
1: So what's it like performing in Seattle? Like for Seattle artists that are in hip hop. Mm it's kind of hard for them to cultivate an audience because people blame it on gentrification or the demographics here, okay. right? But when uh, whatever artist comes on tour to Seattle, it seems like those fans freak out for them. But mm. when it comes to like, the local scene, it's not mm. really the case. How was it for you performing at, in Seattle?
2: Every time I come here is love. Like, wow. love, bro. Like, and I, I just think if it's... I try to compare it to, like... Um, being a chef and like going mm. into a kitchen. Like, for the most part you trying to accomplish the same goal. Whatever city you in, a kitchen is there so you can make food. Mm. But it's up to you how you use your seasonings. It's up to you what type of techniques you're using. you use and you want to bake it, you wanna saute some shit, you wanna fry it. It's up to you. Yeah. But um you have to tailor that to whatever kitchen you in. And you got to work with whatever tools you got that's there. Um, But so when I'm here, though, is. I know what I have to do in order to, like, get people engaged, because you got to be realistic too. like you not a multimillion dollar artist yet, you know, so when you come out, you got to treat the show like it's. The House of Blues, mm-hmm. like you performing at the United Center, like you performing at what's y'all football stadium?
1: Oh fuck, is it CenturyLink now? Or they keep changing? They changed there, it, right? There's like T-Mobile Park. There's, whatever. There's the, so they changed treat every it like single venue like here. <laughs> arena, you know what yeah.
2: I'm saying? So I'm an out of town, but mm-hmm. when I come, like they fuck with me. Yeah. So, I don't know. You That's just awesome. gotta treat it, treat it like it's your last show. Treat it like it's a big fucking deal, mm-hmm. and the people gonna feed off that. Yeah. So yeah. are you
1: are you big into bands at all? It was kind of interesting. There was like some hip hop artists sprinkled in, but it was mostly like bands. How was that for you?
2: It's it's interesting for sure, yeah. but um, it's not for me. It's not too far out of my ballpark mm-hmm. because I grew up like listening to punk rock, mm-hmm. honestly. So, and then that like cultivated and grew into me trying to find ways and and me listening to Lil Wayne a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah. So that led into me uh finding a way to try to mesh both worlds anyway a lot with mm-hmm. my uh music. So if you go through my catalog, like it's one album in particular where I went really hard into it. But um I've always incorporated like rock elements into my shit whenever I can, either rock or electronic music. Yeah. So I mean, it wasn't too weird for me because I'm already in it yeah. in that world anyway, yeah. you know? so But it's cool, though, being, like, one of the only hip-hop acts because, like, people need a switch-up sometimes. They need mm-hmm. a little change. And if you just seeing all rock all day, it's cool when you get somebody in that's, like, they, they have elements of rock that you like, mm-hmm. but they bring in some new shit, too, yeah. so, some rap to it. So it's cool. I love it.
1: Were you able to connect with Arm and Hammer at all?
2: No, he was he performed the day before me. Yeah. And so no, nah, I didn't get to. But my homie did though. He told me he he met one of them. Yeah, they're right crazy.
1: There. They're they're out of uh New York and like uh their latest project was produced by Alchemist.
2: Okay. Yeah. So, you heard it? Yeah. It was it was What'd dope. It was interesting.
1: It. They're like I definitely feel like they're they're definitely in that Griselda Griselda esque style. Okay. For sure. It's like so you know, about type way. yeah. Uh-huh. Like out of all of them. I'd relate them mostly to, like, West Side Gun. You know how, like, West Side Gun has, like, these crazy loops and beats, but it's less about rapping on beat, if mm. he is rapping on beat, mm. and the melody, it's more about the lyricism. Yeah, yeah. So they'll have this, like, smooth alchemist beat, and they'll just go in. There's okay. no, there's no like, a melody to it or anything. Okay. It's just very, like, it's very grungy or gritty, so it does fit in the, the As- Seattle stuff.
2: Yeah, sure. I, but you explaining it that way, I'm like, that fit right into y'all. Yeah, that, so... That fit into y'all, man.
1: It was pretty cool. So... So how how long are you in uh, Seattle? Just for your you leave today, huh?
2: Today is the final day of my trip. Yeah, Damn. man. I've been here since Thursday, though. Oh shit! So it, it was it's a quick trip, but it's still long enough for me to you know take in the essence mm-hmm. of everything going on. You feel me? But um yeah, I leave today uh like this afternoon.
1: So when people come to Seattle as a whether it's on tour or to be a tourist, like, it, is it common? Like, are you going to go to the, did you go to like the Space Needle or what do, you, what do people do when they're in Seattle for like vacation? I'm
2: not going to it <laughs> just because like, I'm the type, I'm the type like, um, when I go places, I don't like to do the touristy shit because mm. it just, it's like, it's corny to me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to see the, the underbelly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to see the real city. Yeah. You know, so, um, but, if it's a situation where they're like, "Nah," if it's a person that's from here and they're like, no, nah, you really got to go see this. Even if it's touristy, then I go do it. Yeah. But I'm not like landing here and like, let's go to the Space Needle, bro. Like, let's like, no. Yeah. I, I, um, I just want to eat good food, oh. really, for the most part. Are you into sushi? Not oh. raw oh, fish. Oh, man. I like shrimp, like okay. the tempura shit. And so I'm not like a real sushi person cause yeah. I don't eat, I don't like raw fish, I but that. I f- I fuck with seafood though. Yeah. For sure. For Seattle's
1: sure. the place for that. Dude, I yeah. actually heard something crazy the other day. There's like a seafood shortage. Like this COVID shit's like fucking up like all the food supplies and all that. Mm. And like for us to be like a port city and people like there's fish, commercial fishing and stuff here. Mm. And then to be like a shortened shortage on seafood. That's kind of wild. Deal. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's crazy. It's but yeah, like you say, COVID, man. It 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 changed a lot. Yeah. So I'm not surprised to hear that, but I know it's even more of a bigger deal here. Yeah. Since that's one of y'all main sources of everything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying.
1: So, what, what? How's COVID been like for you? Was it difficult? Was it a piece of cake?
2: Or? Uh, it's been both. Mm. I would say because um. So I had my son during the pandemic. Oh wow! Congratulations, my youngest. Thank you. Uh, shout, no, shout out to wifey. She <laughs> she did the hard part. I just you know, I just was there. You know, supporting her. But she did the hard part, man. It um, he was born June twenty twenty, mm. and that was right after lockdown started, like March of that year. So, like, she couldn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. She couldn't couldn't do shit. Yeah, for the most part. And I was like. I was going out I like wearing ski goggles and shit. Because like, at that point we didn't know nothing yeah, really. We yeah. just was like, This is a virus that's fucking shit up. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, so, you know, I'm coming out in ski gear and shit, just prepared. But um I mean we got through it. I'm a I'm a guy that like to focus on being solution based mm-hmm. instead of uh problem based or problem focused. So, I mean Whatever we presented with, we got to find a way to make it through it, yeah. you know? So, I teach my kids this all the time. Like, either you could be two type of people in this world. You could be the one that make excuses or the one that make a way. Mm. And it's up to you to decide which, which what type of man you want to be. And so, we made it through. It wasn't, like, I won't say it's easy. Yeah. But it's definitely, it makes it easier when you with somebody that, like, cares about helping you grow and that waters you and then on top of that you have a little one that you like have to care for and you're looking after so it 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 helps bring some like a sense of peace and a sense of like calm into a chaotic situation yeah the most chaotic situation in human history (laughs) damn near you know what i'm saying so um but yeah it was it was definitely interesting and then i still was Recording too Mm -hmm. at home though I got a home studio. Hell yeah! A little set up and it helped. It helped get me through it for sure. Was
1: wearing ski goggles weird in in Chicago or is that kind of a cool? Not really (laughs) because like
2: like I'm the type like I like doing shit that I like doing and I don't really care what it look like to whoever because most of the time how the cycle goes is when you're an outlier Mm -hmm. initially people look at it and they like what what is this guy doing what is this <laughs> nigga doing and then after they keep seeing it after they keep seeing you doing it and how like confident you are with it and you like i don't care like this is just me either yeah. love it or hate it i don't give a fuck. and then once they see that enough they see other people they know start gravitating towards it and then once that becomes a trend for them, then they start thinking, okay, maybe it's not so bad. And then they start liking and start doing it. Like, yeah. I've seen that cycle so much with everything. And so I'm not, I'm accustomed to it. But it wasn't weird for me. Yeah. And At first, people was like, what you got on goggles for, bro? It's not snowing. <laughs> and then a few months later, I started seeing people wear glasses and goggles and shit. Yeah.
1: But, it's just like, it's kind of like the relating into the music industry you can think of like t-pain for example you know what i mean
2: yep i just made a post about t-pain it's crazy you said that on one of my story posts because uh yesy that's that's wifey that's my wifey we um we go through these like phases where we just relive like old times in music yeah older times so we went through a a sean paul and a (laughs) t-pain phase just like a week ago and i was like he got so many slaps, bro. Yeah. Like, we don't deserve T Pain. <laughs> like, he he got so many slaps, and he changed like he's pivoted the well, landscape honestly. Shit. Yeah, because when he first came out, auto tune it was like what shit weird. What is that? Yeah. Now look,
1: dude. I I thought Sean Paul fall off. Fell off. He's actually up for a Grammy this year.
2: Yeah, for what? Oh, fuck. He like, wrote on something or was it? It, it? was like
1: a weird. Uh... I forget what category there. There's like so many weird categories on the Grammys. If you look at, oh yeah. shit, it's the Grammys today.
2: Yeah, it is. Oh yeah. my
1: gosh, dude, Kanye is up for a rap album award. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I thought it would fall under gospel music. But it's up for like rap album.
2: It should be gospel. Yeah, but
1: that would have been uh, easy win because.
2: And they didn't want that. Yeah, but you know it's politics and that shit.
1: I feel hot take. Uh huh. Oh. The the album. Is not his best body of work that he's put out. Donda, I thought mm-hmm. it was kind of, I thought it was a good um, statement of how he is, like how how he is mentally right now. Mm-hmm. Like there was some songs that were fucking amazing. There was some songs are all over the. They had a he had a Pop Smoke skit from one of Pop Smoke's old albums. I'm yeah. like that was kind of a weird yeah. thing to do, you yeah. know. So kind of just showed where he was mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that also i'm not huge into gospel Mm. so i feel like maybe there should be i don't know how big gospel music is honestly so i feel like as a gospel album i think maybe that's one of the best gospel albums to ever be made yeah yeah (laughs) yeah. but as a rap album that is definitely not one of kanye's best bodies of work so i don't know i feel like he's i forget who else he's in there was a he's up against some heavy competition this year too so Mm. I don't know if he'll win it. It was fire to me. That shit
2: was fire. It was, I think it could have been trimmed down some. Yeah. But I know why they make longer albums now. Mm. And like when you that status, you can afford to do that, you know. Um, Because at this point it's more so about like the streaming numbers and the play time of the whole album. So I get it. I would have trimmed some shit off of it. I ain't gonna lie, but to me that album was fire. Yeah, it was fire.
1: Do you think? Do you think um, albums follow the trends of like movies and social media? How everything's shorter, or does that? Do you think albums are in their own type of lane?
2: I feel like it depends on what kind of artist you're listening to, because right. everybody has their own like mindset or goal, what they got planned on moving forward. So I, I don't think they. I don't think they follow movies Mm. in that way. It just whatever they had in mind for that particular span in their career, I think they're gonna move more towards that.
1: Yeah. There is something special about like a twenty minute album that has like seven songs or something and each song is so good they're like, Fuck, I want there to be more. There's something is special. Yeah, yeah.
2: And but then on the other hand, you got some people that's like, that was too short. Yeah. Like, this shit was so fire. Why he only give us this much? Yeah. So Again, it's just your perspective, how you feel about it. Because yeah. some people like the very concise, to the point, 20-minute joint where it's all cold as hell. Mm-hmm. And then some people, they like it, but they like, you didn't give me enough. Right. You know, so. It's- what,
1: what about like deluxe albums? Do you think you have to be like a industry artist to make a deluxe album? Because I feel like deluxe kind of leans more towards just making more revenue a little bit. Or what do you what do you think? Yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree with you because it's because it's not even like most times artists when they drop a deluxe, it's not even like more shit that they added to it. It's maybe like another song, two songs. Yeah. And only thing that is is just to give it another bump in the. Like you say, in the revenue. To make it look like something new. They released a new project. Yeah. But it's the same shit. They just put two more songs on there. Yeah. So you, you've been
1: around for a while. how did you get your start in music? And how long have you been doing it?
2: My how did I get my start? So I started writing in like I started writing in fourth grade. Nice. But at that point I wasn't um I wasn't writing songs really. I just was like rhyming shit. I mm. guess you call it poetry then. Okay. So, uh it wasn't music behind it. I just was writing. I went to school on the west side of Chicago and a really small school, K through 8. Mm. But it was only total of like maybe 100 kids oh. in the whole school. Wow. My graduating class was like 12, 13 kids. Well. So, that's how I like small. And um it was a Christian school, which is funny because it was in the middle of the hood, like mm. the middle of the shit. Like the Austin neighborhood is like consistently like the highest in crime or in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And that's where my school was. But it's it's funny that it was like a Christian school. But um, so yeah, I started right in the fourth grade there. And then as I got a little bit older, maybe like seventh, eighth grade, we started like, trying to record the beats off the radio, like with the tapes, uh, when you just yeah. have to play two tapes at the same time and do it's it it was complicated. But for us that's the only way we could get <laughs> instrumentals at that time or beats at that time. Yeah. So um yeah, then we just would start rapping over that shit like it, whenever we'd be over our homie house. And then fast forward to high school, maybe like junior year. My high school, Old River Forest, we had a music studio there, but it was more so aimed at, like, band and, mm. like, uh, uh, other genres of music. Not rap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not <laughs> rap, you feel me? So, but uh, word travels fast, as you know. And, like, I played sports. So, like, on the way to games and on the way back from games, I just used to, like, freestyle on the bus. And then it got to a point where, like, people were like, you, you good, man. Like, you do you rap? And I'm like, no, nah, I just do it because I'm good at it. Like, yeah. you know, it's just fun. And then, so, word travel. Somehow, one of the music teachers heard about it. And one of my homies who who was there, Matt, who does, um, like, production and, like, film and shit. And so, like, with scoring stuff at school, they would use that same studio. Mm-hmm. So he told him... Matt uh, reached out to me, and then I was one of the first people they let rap in that studio, wow. which is like a big deal for that school because yeah. that like people weren't just coming in the studio and rapping. Like you either are doing a voiceover for a school like commercial or a school project, and that's it. Mm-hmm. None of that. But yeah, and so um, I start started there too, and. At that same time, outside of school, I had friends who like had access to studios, so I just started rapping, and then it kind of just happened naturally, like organically. Because the more I put myself out there, the more people that heard it, and the more people they told, and then it just grew. The legend grows, yeah. So, and now I'm here, flying across the uh, country to do paid gigs. So. Hell
1: yeah! Wait, how how far away is Chicago from Seattle? Like, how long is that flight? Four hours. Okay, that's not terrible.
2: I've I've had worse. Yeah, but yeah, it's 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 four hours. Nice. Mm.
1: So, did you have to like walk to school when you're in elementary school, or was it like crazy getting nah. to school, or how was that?
2: So I um I live not too far away from my school, mm. fortunately, but I always got dropped off because it wasn't it wasn't close enough to walk at got all it. from home. So, uh, my either my OG or my dad dropped me off. Damn, and pick me up every day. So
1: I'm just trying to paint a picture, like how crazy it was. Was it like I? Cause Seattle, we got some pockets that are you know dangerous, I uh-huh. guess. But like we're, I think we're pretty. We're in the middle. We're in the fucking corner of the United States, and yeah. just to look, a little bubble. We're kind of yeah. We're kind of happier, that feel too. you know.
2: Yeah, that's a good place to be, though. <laughs> it's like y'all, y'all do y'all own thing, yeah. and like y'all not afraid to be inclusive, you know. And I feel like. Is damn near, correct me if I'm wrong, because you a native. Yeah. But I feel like it's kind of always been that way. Right. Like, the vibe out here is more so on some just be yourself. Yeah. 100%. You know what I'm saying? And the words of the great Kurt, come as you are. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, and I feel like that's kind of been the overarching theme of how y'all do things here. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I fuck with that.
1: That's dope. I like that. So, how how... What sports did you do, actually?
2: So, I did everything, bro. Ooh. But um, high school, I did track, football, basketball, lacrosse. Um,
1: oh, shit.
2: I did volleyball in middle school, too. But, um, yeah, I, I tried everything down there. Damn. All the shit we could afford. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and did you go to college at all? or?
2: Yeah, yeah. I graduated oh, nice. from Roosevelt University. Dope. It's a it's a school in downtown Chicago.
1: What you what you major in? Psychology. Oh, and how does that carry over to your? Are you a are you a psychologist?
2: No, nah, I'm not. <laughs> not in the like professional sense, mm-hmm. but in the real world sense. Yeah, I yeah.
1: Am. When did sure. you get into psychology?
2: So I it's innate for me because mm-hmm. I I didn't. Like, before you go to school and, like, you get told this is what it is, I always been interested in how, like, how, how the human mind works. Like, how do two siblings that grow up in the same household have completely different personalities? Mm. How do they have different ideologies on certain shit? How do they function differently? And that was always interesting to me, just learning how people communicate and how they think and how they move and why they do the things they do. And when I got to like an age where I started learning about that in school, I'm like, oh, there's a name for this. Mm -hmm. It's called psychology, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? So I've always been interested in it. I just, when I got in a academic setting where they like put the um, like official terms with it, I'm like, okay. I've always been into this. So this is what I'm a major in.
1: Got it. So why, why are two siblings different?
2: <laughs> it, it depends. I get various
1: environment, I guess. Yeah. Friend groups. It's, or... it's
2: both. It's like the nature versus nature argument, mm-hmm. which is like some people believe if some people believe your environment has more to do with how you function and how you develop, uh, ideas ideologies some people believe it's innate and is built in you already Mm. so that's the argument that'll go on until the end of time
1: and what do you believe what side are you on
2: i'm not on either i think it's a mix of both yeah i agree with that i think i think it's probably a little bit more leaning nature because like what you see influences how you react Mm -hmm. a lot more i feel like than how you were born but um it's it's situations where both are true so it just it varies it depends
1: so as an up-and-coming artist still what what do you do for work currently what's your career path right now
2: right now i am fortunate enough to have i got a nice-ass job at a logistics company
1: oh dope
2: and um like none of my background is in logistics, but my one of my homies put me on. One of my good childhood friends, mm-hmm. Spencer, he um, he introduced me to it because like a year or so ago, uh, he was like, "I know you my whole life. Like you detail oriented. Like you you take care of business. You get you get it done." And I've been in this for ten years down there, and mm-hmm. I know it pays well. So you should check it out. Just check it out. You know, so I checked it out, and now I've been doing logistics now for two years.
1: Holy shit, that's dope! Yeah, yeah. So, is it something you have to like go into a, a like a office space, or is it remote, or how's that work? N-
2: now, yes, because I'm at a different company than I was at at first. But um, you can do it remote, mm. and that's part of the reason why I like it. Because you still, it's that freedom to still. Because I like being with my family. Yeah. Like I like being with my girl like a lot of people like hate going home to their girls you know <laughs> or like <laughs> they be like damn I gotta go home but I like being with my girl like we have so much fun bro like that should be funny and um so I prefer if I could work somewhere remote and still have that free time to like chill with her like play with my kids like I would rather do that instead of commuting cuz it's really a scam like yeah. We got Wi-Fi, bro. Yeah. Like, we could do anything on Earth from anywhere else on Earth. As long as it's not a physical task, we got Wi-Fi, bro. We could be remote. I
1: saw this article yesterday that Google just put however billions of dollars into, like, a new Google campus. Okay. And that the—I think it was the ex-HR executive Mm. was saying that he believes that everyone's going to go back to office spaces in the next— he he, it was still a long time away. He said like three to five years. Okay. What do you what do you think about that? Do you think? And he he was literally saying like it's going to be a thing where, once the pandemic completely calms down, mm. it's going to be a thing like if people decide to stay home and be remote, that the people that go into work they're going to easily get more pay bumps or, um, get mm. hired for better roles or
2: try to incentivize. Yeah. To do what, that. what do you Trake think about? You yeah. Um, it's, I just, it's part of the game. Yeah, Like it's always gonna be, it's always gonna be people who, who call it incentivizing you to do something, mm. but um, it's not necessarily in your best interest as the employee, as the person providing that energy that keeps the company powered. It's, it's not always in your best interest. But, um, I mean, it's just part of the gig. You got to... It's the
1: systems in place.
2: Yeah. You got to find a way to finesse it. Yeah. And use it to your advantage and your family advantage. Yeah. You
1: know? What do you feel about, like, all these... I don't know. I guess it's probably worldwide about, like, all these job minimum wage jobs that people are like, I just got all this unemployment.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, why, why would I want to go back to being in these shit conditions?
2: Yeah. When they could be remote. Yeah. And doing it from... You know, is it just speaks to the systems that's in place, yeah. and it's if if companies, if more companies, because there are some that like really care about their employees, but if m- more companies actually put systems in place that were beneficial, really beneficial for mm-hmm. their workers, you will see an increase in productivity, which is what they want. Anyway, mm-hmm. you want to increase in productivity, increase in revenue, increase in market share. That's what you have the business for. You're not running it to lose money, to be hemorrhaging shit. Like, that's not why you're running the business. So if they put more systems in place that benefited you, you wouldn't have people who would rather get unemployment yeah. because they could still... Uh, they still have a work-life balance where they could still do stuff at home with their kids. They could still, if they want to go fly kites, whatever people do, parasailing. I seen people <laughs> parasailing out here. That's wow. wild. Yeah. I, I, I fuck with that though. But um, if there were more systems put in place where people could actually be treated like human beings mm-hmm. instead of robots, yeah. then you would see an increase in everything that you want as a company anyway. And you wouldn't have people uh, electing to do unemployment instead because it's better for them. You what
1: you talked about robots for a second. What about robots? What if robots took all those minimum wage jobs? Would that increase society and have the people that don't want to do those jobs have better jobs, or would it create that, more of a hierarchy?
2: That I don't know, man. Me neither. That's a good ass question. Yeah. To be honest, that's a good question. Uh, Is like. Like everything with humankind, we find a way to corrupt it. Yeah, <laughs> greed corrupts it in some kind of way. So, it probably initially would be cool, as far as like productivity and like efficiency, because mm-hmm. one, the the big wigs at the companies they looking at it like, okay, well, this person, this robot will never call in sick this robot not going to try to negotiate with me about their wages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not going to have new ideas and try to tell me what I'm doing is not best for them. You know, so, and they're more efficient too. Yeah, They could keep going and they never going to get tired. You know, so initially for them, that would be good. But um, we always find a way to corrupt something as humans. So I feel like, losing that like soul and like that sense of uh humanity yeah. like throughout the workforce like it'll eventually turn into something not so great i think yeah i agree with that
1: so in 2015 you had a run of working with artists such as like mcjenkins saba no name mm. how did those connections come to be was it more that because i feel like i was talking to femdot okay. and there's like um Yeah, I guess that was the best way to describe it. It was like there's like there's one Chicago music scene, Mm -hmm. but within that scene, there's different tiers Mm -hmm. of artists because there's so many people that are just from like Chance the Rappers and then maybe a little bit below would be like a a no name. And Mm -hmm. then there's like the Sabas and the Sminos and all Mm -hmm. those guys. Mm -hmm. So were you do you feel like you're working with them when they were coming up and maybe in the same circles are you as you or how did those connections come to be?
2: So the the crazy thing about that is, I never was like a click guy. Mm-hmm. Like I never was clicky with all the people you name. Like I've, I know, like I've run across all of them, but I never was like trying to be cool with them. Yeah. You know, it always happened organically. You know, cause I like, I'm the type like, I, I just move how I feel is fit and then, if you if you rock with me then i then love like i got this this phrase like love all fear none mm. you know so um i just always moved to my own beat and then word of mouth people talk shit travels and that's how i got connected with them it was on some so saba so pivot gang yes. his homies Whew. they are they grew up in austin too in the austin neighborhood mm. the one i talked about earlier And little did I know, unbeknownst to me, I used to run across them a lot, like, when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Like, just going to, like, parks or, or hooping or something or maybe, like, playing football, Dead Man Pickup and stuff like that. But we didn't know each other did music. We just were, like, kids just running the streets. And then when we got a little bit older, I started, like, seeing, this was when Twitter was, like, a big deal, yeah. like for real, for real, and I would like be seeing seeing them, and I'm like, I know, I know them, <laughs> I know him, um, and then like word travels, and then like they saw I do music, and then like we just maybe retweet somebody shit or like say something like this a, this song hard, yeah, like come to the studio, and then like that's how that happened, and then being in Saba's studio, being around them and recording or just watching they process, you get to see how much of a hub that he really had at his spot. Yeah. And so that's how I linked with no name. Mm. Cause like she would be coming over there recording too. And that's how I linked with uh like people like Mick, like Mick Jenkins. He was linked in with Saba too since early. So um they would hear me on song on a song with Sabo or like me working with him, and then they're like, "Oh, I don't, I haven't heard of him before, but right. he hard." So that's and that's how it happens.
1: And you have a crazy is that is Xavier Holiday like your government name?
2: Yeah, that's my real name.
1: Holy shit, you have a dope ass name. I've been like, "Oh yeah, I'm about to have Xavier Holiday on there." Like, holy shit, I don't know that guy, but that guy's name is crazy. Yeah,
2: thank I appreciate <laughs> it. I didn't like my name for a long what? time. Yeah. Wow. Until I got. Like old enough where I just started listening to other people and they was like nah dude, like keep, you should use your name, (laughs) you know and it's it's just part of just being honest with yourself, like I like to try to be as self aware as I can be, Mm. even when it's not easy to and like I was trying to like uh, abbreviate my name, like take the vowels out for a span of time, like all type of other weird shit and they're like just use your name. Like it's strong. Um your parents gave you a good name, bro. Like it's yeah. it's strong, it sticks out, like it sounds like something. So use that. Yeah. And so I use it now.
1: Hell yeah. Huh. So how would you describe the Chicago music scene and uh what are your feelings towards it?
2: Currently? Yes.
1: Well, maybe both. How has it changed also? Because you have said you've been around for like 10 years or something. Yeah,
2: I've seen it. I've seen the, when we first like went global, global for the, I would say the second resurgence, because the first one I say would be like when Ye and them first was coming out, like mm. Twista and them, when they was going crazy. I say that was the first like global wave that we made. And then the second one was, uh, when Keith and Dirk and them yeah. was like coming up and Reese and Louie and Kenny Louie and them when they was uh, first getting popping, So, I saw that and I saw how that changed the lingo of the United States of the world. Yeah. Like, everybody say Op now. Everybody say Op Pack. Everybody say Thought. Everybody say... I could go down a list. Yeah. And... Just like seeing that, that we have that much influence, it was it was crazy to me because I'm like, this is just how we live. It. This is just how we talk. This is just how we move. Mm-hmm. And to see that embraced by everybody and to see it duplicated by everybody, like, it, it just was super cool. And then now, what how I feel about the scene, I would say, um, I would say we still. We still moving like we still are like a prominent figure mm-hmm. in music for sure for sure yeah um you don't have to look even look far to see it it's just um like Dirk now is the number one or top I would say top five artists like as far as whatever metrics they use he wanted them. yeah like Drake reached out to him yeah you know what I'm saying so we still up there and then. Aside from like that tier of what you want to call, you could say, you could say drill. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, we still got people that's going crazy. Like now, as we mentioned, Saba's, you got the mix that's mm-hmm. going crazy. No name about to stop, drop, start dropping music again. You know, so we still got a foothold on on music for sure. It's yeah. just what type of music you want to hear, where you want to go. We got it. Mm-hmm. Whatever flavor you want, we got it Still.
1: So when you're in Chicago are you performing a lot or what's your what's your uh, life like when you're music wise?
2: Before the pandemic, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was, yeah. Hella shows. Um it's I fucking love performing, bro. Like it's I love it. Uh so yeah, I just I was just trying to book as many uh shows that made sense and just rock out like ain't nothing like that energy. Nothing like it. Yeah. And So yeah, that's what it was before pandemic. And then that put a big stop sign on everything. And then now stuff is slowly like trickling back in and like opening back up. So um, I'm looking to get back in the performance circuit for sure, for sure. Now, since I see that more venues are uh, open to it and it's more like different uh, precautions and like different uh guidelines and things people using now yeah but uh it's it's opening back up it's getting back lit Yeah, they
1: had fucking lollapalooza there so they got it yeah
2: there you go so it's it's time yeah it's time to get back active
1: so so do you have a team around you or because you've been doing it for so long is it kind of more like you know how to navigate or how does that work for you
2: uh both okay both i'm not officially like managed by anybody anymore i was um when i was like living in new york Mm-hmm. Uh so I'm not contractually binded to anybody right now. Um but I've learned enough and like seen enough and like grown enough that I know uh a good deal of how to navigate the landscape and like how to move through these waters. Cause it's it could get treacherous. Yeah. Like it could get it could get nasty out here. But um you just gotta learn how to use what you have seen internalize it and then tweak it finesse it so that it works for whatever vision you got
1: yeah
2: and for me i am i'm at the point now where i'm using that knowledge and like applying it and moving forward with it so i got homies i got homies that uh that do support me for sure for sure
1: yeah so did you so, did you move to New York for music, or what was the move to yeah. New York for?
2: Oh, yeah. wow! Yeah, it was. So that story crazy too. Yeah, because so I w- I had started one of my friends, Matt, the guy yeah. I told you about earlier. So he moved to New York because he was working with uh, a company out there that did. It was the one of the first websites of its kind, mm. like a lifestyle type blog it was uh for Jay-Z called mm-hmm. lifeandtimes.com and so he was out there and like they interview like models rappers chefs like any type of uh lifestyle type and um so he was out there and then he still like remembered that I like do music and shit so he like well I mean I'm in New York bro and like this is where I'm working, so like, just visit. Like, see what you think. So I visited, and then once I got a taste of it, I kept going back, kept going back. I went. It started getting to the point where my mama was looking at me like, like, dude, you going to New York every two months, every <laughs> month? Like, what are you doing, fam? And yeah. I'm like, it got to the point where I'm like, it makes more sense for me to just move there because mm. at that point, tickets, I'm paying like what, four hundred dollars for a ticket every month, five hundred dollars for a ticket. You could pay rent, dude. Yeah. Like just go. <laughs> you know, so I moved out there and I ended up uh staying uh for a considerable amount of time, honestly, some years. And Damn. then um so yeah, that's how that that's how that ended up.
1: That's awesome. So do you have yeah. any cool like New York connections then or did you connect with the music scene then?
2: Yeah. So what it was, I was to make uh, <laughs> to make money there, I started working with with the video production company oh, wow. that, for Life and Times. So I would be on set. Like, they'd just give me, like, odd jobs just so I could, like, be there and, like, soak up info and learn shit. So um, at that point, I jumped out on a... It was just pure passion and me believing in myself because, mm-hmm. like, I didn't have a room. I didn't have shit. Like, I was couch surfing... I slept on the floor, like in in Harlem in Spanish Harlem. So like, I just I'm like I need to make bread while I'm recording, fam, because mm-hmm. I need to be able to do something. So yeah, I met and interviewed hella people, anybody from Pharrell Whoa. to Two Chains to, uh, I didn't interview B, but. I saw Beyonce when she walked past. <laughs> I saw Jay-Z when That's he walked so past. Um a hella people, bro. Like f- the auction houses out there, the art auction, like I met hella people interviewed hella people. Is that
1: bro. company still around, life and
2: in- Um I don't think the website is managed as um like frequently or like as heavily as it was when i was out there but i think you could still look up the website mm-hmm. for sure
1: dang that's dope so you had yeah you you're part of the chicago music scene you spent time in new york that's
2: yeah yeah oh yeah and i i met uh rocky when i was out there too. Oh, shit. um and that's when like um right after like purple swag and shit had first came out so like now it was a couple maybe a few years after purple swag but it was still like bubbling Like, going crazy. So um, we had interviewed him a couple times for, like, some, some like, spot they were doing for either a fashion brand. I can't remember what it was. But um, he cool as hell. And then, like, he could tell, like, because I had told him, like, I'm from Chicago. And then he, like, all right. He was, like, cool. Then we just chopping it up just by regular random shit. And then I started seeing him, just out like at other places randomly. Mm-hmm. Then it got to a point where he like, you, like you from you from <laughs> the, the interview, right? Then I'm like, yeah, yeah. So it just be little stuff like that. And yeah. cities like New York, you just run into people. And so that was yeah, super cool. That's crazy. Well, yeah.
1: What's next for you? Do you have any new singles dropping? Albums dropping?
2: Right now, I got a collection of songs. Right. Yes. And. I have too many songs, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out how to group some of those songs and how to release it, because I don't want to put out a long-ass album. If I drop a project next, I want it to be shorter, mm-hmm. so I'm just trying to like package it correctly and make it something that If I was a listener, something I would want to listen to. Yeah. Instead of like me being selfish and just being like, here, like I know I'm going to give you 17 songs. Listen to this shit, you know? So I'm being realistic and understanding like the landscape of music and understanding how life is now. And like a lot of people not trying to sit and listen to 17, 18 straight songs. Yeah. Like no matter how good you are, Like, when Drake dropped the Scorpion Scorpion shit, like, (laughs) that's the, that's, you could say, the biggest artist in the world, bro. And do you know anybody that listens to every song on both? Nah. You know what I'm saying? And so, and that's him. Yeah. He really him. And people not listening to all that shit. So I just got to be realistic and package it in a way that is still fun to listen to, but not compromising me and still getting my point across, you know? So I'm gonna be releasing soon. Like I say, I got video saved up. I got content saved up. I just um, wanna package it the right way.
1: Yeah, what's important to you when you're releasing a project? So you're talking about packaging. What goes into that packaging for you?
2: I like, for every project I drop, I like it to be like a a time capsule Mm -hmm. at that point in my life that the listener can jump in and like go for a ride with me I like it to feel like a landscape Mm -hmm. like you know what I'm saying so um I want it to feel like you're in a like a biodome. Yeah, you feel me like some type of dome whenever you listen to it so um I take time to make sure that I layer shit I like just atmospheric sounds on songs I like um I use maybe sound effects that's not even like music, musical necessarily. Like, I just include shit. On one of my songs now, I got a little clip of my youngest and my oldest son like playing basketball in the hallway at home. Like, so it's just, I like to bring you into the story mm-hmm. so you can f- feel like you're there, whether it's like you hear it tapping on a wall or something, something random. Yeah. I just like people to feel to st- try to stimulate all your senses so you can feel like you in it as much as I can with the audio. And then now also I'm going to be putting a lot more into visuals too because I need them. I need that to work in tandem with the audio yeah. so you can really feel it, you know? So do you, do you produce music also then? I'm garbage as hell at producing. <laughs> I ain't going to lie to you. I'm Huff as hell at producing. I try to. Um, I... But, what I can do is I sit with the producer, though, mm-hmm. and like I am very like descriptive on what I want and tell them like what feel I want, what um sounds I want, and I sit with them as they do it. But I would never like disgrace the people that's good <laughs> at the shit and say, "Yeah, I'm a producer. like no, I'm not yeah, i'm I'm not a producer.
1: so, what type of music do you listen to? Is it mostly rap? is it rock or what?
2: These days I'm listening to a lot of what I listen to now. Oh, when I'm working out, I play rap. And Mm -hmm. I play um like country. It's it's weird. Like I like but I like old country shit. Like Like Waylon Jennings. Like Johnny Cash type shit. That type wave. Um and rock too. I listen to like I still play punk rock shit when I work out too. But um, in the car, like in the whip, when I'm moving around, it's either like uh, something motivational, like something that's going to make me feel like I got to go get it. Yeah. You know, so like I play a lot of Larry June. Mm-hmm. Um, I play a lot of Larry June, honestly. Uh, recently, I've been going back to old Ross stuff. Um, <gasps> yeah, yeah, <laughs> He he got some some shit bro I remember now why we used to play him so much but um, yeah it been a lot of rap honestly oh I listen to a lot of ragged thong. oh yeah Cause it's actually
1: a pretty strong scene here for
2: that oh for real yeah I didn't know that but yeah I listen to a lot of ragged thong now that's dope yeah
1: do you listen to podcasts at all are you a podcast yeah guy? I do Ooh.
2: I've become that dad hell I'm yeah a, I'm a podcast dad now if you would've asked me like shit even three years ago right like Oh, if you would have told me three years ago, you're going to be listening to podcasts, dude. She. I would have told you, like, no, nigga. Like, I don't... For what? Yeah. I want music. Yeah. Like, I want to hear something, but I'm a podcast dude now.
1: What are some of your favorite podcasts?
2: I listen to um, Gary V. Okay. I like Gary V stuff. I listen to... Um, I listen to the Joe Budden podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I listen to... Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Star Talk. I yeah, I listen to Star <laughs> Talk. I ain't gonna lie, I listen to Star Talk. Uh, who else? I would say those are the main like ones that I like rotate. That's dope. Yeah, you
1: should check out Flagrant too. They it's um it's Andrew Schultz who has a podcast okay. with uh, Charlemagne, okay. the Brilliant Idiots, uh-huh. and then on Flagrant 2 it's Akas Singh and Andrew Schultz who are both comedians, and they just had Gary. Oh yeah. You should check. They just had Gary Vee on, actually. Oh, they just okay.
2: Yeah. I you say it's some... called Flagrant too? Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, I think I think you'll like that episode. It's fucking. It's really good. It's, it's so worth good. it. It came I... out like I think last week. It was pretty fucking dope.
2: Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna check it out. Then. Yeah. Cause the like map? I say, I'm 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 there now. I'm in that world. So yeah. I'm always looking for new ways to like expand what I already do. Yeah. So yeah. Hell yeah.
1: Out. Well, man, I I end the podcast by asking my guests if they have any final. Advice for up-and-coming artists, creators, influencers. Uh, you have any advice?
2: Um, love all, fear none. Respect all, fear none. Do what the fuck you want to do. Because at the end of the day, when the moon goes up in the sky, people still going to talk about you. So you might as well do what you want to do. Don't let them dictate what you do. Do what you want to do, because when the moon go up in the sky at night, it's only you that matter anyway. So you might as well go out being yourself.
1: Hell, yeah. And what is the easiest way for people to reach you?
2: All socials. I am Xavier Holidays with a Y on it. So it's uh, X-A-V-I-E-R-H-O-L-L-I-D-A-Y. Yes,
1: hell yeah! This in the Nas podcast with
2: Xavier Holiday.